Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. Great to have you with me and uh, with all of us who are watching, not only from across America, but we always have a warm welcome for our international friends as well. Thank you all for being together as uh, believers on the road towards victory. We have victory after victory in Jesus Christ who conquers falsehood, and that's going to be a particular theme here tonight, and sin. Let's uh, begin, as we always do, with the Word of God. I want to read a passage from Romans 1, again pertinent to our uh, theme tonight. He uh, begins by saying, uh, The wrath of God is indeed being revealed from heaven against every impiety and wickedness of those who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For what can be known about God is evident to them because God made it evident to them. Ever since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what He has made. As a result, they have no excuse. For although they knew God, they did not accord Him glory as God or give Him thanks. Instead, they became vain in their reasoning, and their senseless minds were darkened. While claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the likeness of an image of mortal man, or of birds, or four-legged animals, or of snakes. Therefore God handed them over to impurity through the lusts of their hearts for the mutual degradation of their bodies. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and revered and worshipped the Creator, the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have revealed your truth. You are the truth. And your Son Jesus Christ said that he came into the world to bear witness to the truth, that we as disciples would know the truth and it would set us free. And furthermore, he declared that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you, Father. For the grace you give us to hold fast to the truth in our minds, in our words, in our actions, in our proclamation to others, and in our work in shaping public policy and, and having election victories, in all in the service of truth that we did not create, but which in turn sets us free when we believe it. Free us from darkness. Lord God, as Part of making America great again, may we be freed from the lies that entrap so many of our fellow citizens and that drag down and lead astray so many of our public policies, the lies. 
The lie, for example, that a baby is not a baby, the lie that a man is not a man or a woman is not a woman. Free us from the darkness of these lies. The lie that there is no objective morality. Free us from these lies. Bless our nation as we work, work to make it great and to preserve its values and to advance your kingdom. We pray in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right. Verbal engineering precedes social engineering. This is a fundamental truth. I remember our, one of our seminary professors uh, taught this all the time and, and constantly uh, repeated it. And it's one of the chapters in Mark Levin's book that we've been commenting on, The Democrat Party Hates America. And it's a key to understanding the manipulation of America and the efforts to destroy America and to destroy our freedom. You want to destroy our freedom, you destroy truth. You want to enslave people, you deceive people first. You want to oppress people, you call them names, and that's an assault on the truth. He goes into this in um, the uh, fourth chapter of this book called Language Control and Thought Control. Language expresses thought, right? Thought control. The Democrat Party hates America. The Democrat Party wants to take all power unto itself and hold on to it permanently. And therefore, the Democrat Party wants to deceive America. That's essential to it. Verbal engineering precedes social engineering. And they are engaged in a great campaign of social engineering. We want to radically transform America, they have said over and over again. And so therefore, what we have here is a very, very biblical theme as evidenced in the passage I just read, notice what Paul says about the decadence of his times. He's speaking to the Romans. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. That's the assertion of the Word of God, which we see played out here in the examples, some of the examples we're going to read from Mark's book and some of them that I'm going to provide to you from my own background in pro-life work. If we think about thought control, we have to think about, first of all, the kind of thought control that is not something that takes away our freedom, but that gives us freedom in Christ. When we submit to Christ, the light of the world, the way, the truth, and the life, we are loving God in the way that in Matthew 22, verse 37, we read, loves Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Look at, look at Matthew 22. The Lord Jesus tells us we are to love the Lord, not just with our heart. We are to love Him with all our mind. Divine thought control, which is actually freedom. Loving the Lord with all our mind means being in union with Him in what he has told us is the truth, being in union with his word, and our mind understands it, listens to it, assents to it, says yes to it, amen. When we say amen at the end of each of our prayers, we're asserting, we're, we're saying yes to that truth of God. Out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said in Matthew 12, out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth speaks. So if you've got people trying to deceive us, if you've got people manipulating language in order to avoid the truth, that's going to come out in their words, reflecting the darkness and that manipulative uh, desire in their hearts. Paul says, on the other hand, and this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, bring every thought into captivity to Christ. So we see the Word of God saying one thing here. It's an aspect of our obedience to Christ, our union with God, our holiness of life, our love to take all our thinking and line it up with God's Word, to do so freely. So we listen to the Word, we understand the Word, we assent to the Word. God wants our free adherence. He doesn't want, that's exactly the opposite of the kind of manipulation and control that tyrants utilize, have utilized throughout history and are utilizing today again in America in order to gain dominance, political power, and control over the lives of other people. Let's look at a couple of the examples that Mark gives, and then I want to give a couple of examples from my uh, pro-life activities. On page 113 of his book, he quotes um, uh, Mikhail Heller, an author and scholar raised in the Soviet Union. Mikhail says, Language is the most important and powerful weapon in the hands of a state that has decided to transform human beings. The creation of a new language serves two aims. To obtain, as George Orwell put it, an instrument with which to express the philosophy and thoughts that are permitted. Notice, not that are true, but that are permitted. Not that correspond to your mind or the mind of God, but to the will of someone in power. The thoughts that are permitted. And he goes on. And secondly, to make all other sorts of thinking impossible. The autocratic control of the Democrat Party doesn't just want to get to your actions or even your speech. They want to suppress your speech. We see what they've done on social media, which, of course, mainstream media has been captive to them for a long time. We see what they're trying to do to our students in school, even though they even try to intrude on the churches. Why do you think they, they, they had me thrown out of the priesthood? They don't want the word of truth that I was getting into the pulpits to be there. That's what it boils down to. They want to control not just the speech, however. They want to control your thinking. What are the permissible thoughts? What are the impermissible thoughts about which maybe you ought to feel guilty for saying or for thinking, which is what their goal is? Now, this is not going to be outright persuading people that black is white or that white is black. But to, as Associate Professor Magda Stroinska says uh, from McCaster University in Canada, many learn to say that they do see things in prescribed colors and to call them by prescribed names. So it's not necessarily a direct assault on what you obviously know to be true. Say that black is white, white is black. It's pretty close to that, though, with the transgender stuff or then the abortion stuff. But it's to condition people gradually by talking in certain ways to get them to think in certain ways and to see things as, um, she says, in certain 
colors. Now, one of the ways is this is being, this conditioning is happening, is an actual change of terminology in dictionaries. And of course, all the media follows the same script, and even government. Let me give you a, a few of the examples uh, here that Mark gives in the book. National Public Radio recently reported, Dictionary.com has updated thousands of entries and added hundreds of words in its latest release, reflecting how society has evolved even in just the last few months. They updated more than 15,000 entries and added 650 brand new terms. Now, many of these deal with language relating to identity and race and ethnicity, of course, gender, sexuality, and health and wellness. Uh, John Kelly, one of their senior editors, said, The work of a dictionary is more than just adding new words. It's an ongoing effort to ensure that how we define words reflects changes in language. Okay. Um, examples. Entirely new terms. Afro-Latino. Brown face. White splain. Uh, another dictionary-wide change. Homosexuals replaced with... Gay, gay man, uh, gay woman, references to homosexuality replaced with gay sexual orientation. Okay. And then we have, let's see, another set of examples of what the government itself is using in its changing of language. The Washington Free Beacon reported this. Federal agencies under Biden, of course, are using taxpayer dollars to promote inclusive language guides Instructing Americans to, it's like, wait a minute, I don't need any instructions from you about what I say. What do you mean instructing Americans? Yeah, instructing Americans to abandon terms like homeless people for left-wing alternatives like people experiencing unsheltered homelessness. These people are so crazy. The recommendations from agencies. Now, here we go. Government controlling thought. Does that sound American to you? Or does that sound Marxist? The Centers for Disease Control and the National Institutes of Health focus on, quote, non-stigmatizing language, which means eliminating terms such as inmate and alcoholic from common use. Instead, persons who are incarcerated or detained, persons with alcohol use disorder. That becomes more abstract and more ridiculous. The NIH Style Guide advises people to say gender affirmation or gender confirmation rather than sex change. It's sex change. Don't tell me what to say. Don't tell me what to think. I and mean, this is unbelievable. This is, a, this is a bunch of garbage. Now, it's not just a matter of changing words. Here's what we have to see about, about language and thought control. What it's also about is repeating lies. For example, uh, Biden keeps... Biden is... Have you seen the litany of things that he continuously lies about, both in terms of what Republican and conservative policy is in terms of his own personal history. Oh, my goodness. He just makes up stories that have been debunked time and time again. Things that President Trump said, you know, the good people on both sides uh, 
mythology from uh, uh, Charlottesville continues to be uh, repeated, even though it's been debunked so many times. But here's an example. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, Biden claimed, want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. No. The Republican Party didn't call for that. But they repeat and repeat and repeat. So repeat it enough, people think that it's true. Climate change, oh my goodness. Here's the the biggest battlefront as far as repeating lies, repeating myths. Mythology, mythology, mythology. Even the Pope has begun repeating this in his latest document that that he sent out about the environment. Please get off the climate change train. You're going to look like fools in the eyes of history, and you already look like fools in the eyes of those that know what they're talking about in regard to this. But the spectacularly, Mark puts uh, 18 different examples of the spectacularly wrong predictions made when Earth Day started back in 1970. And these climate change people today, they're just hopped onto the same train. Should have the word embarrassment written all over it. Harvard biologists, I'll give you a few of these. Harvard biologist George Wald estimated civilization will end within 15 or 30 years, that is by 1985 or 2000, unless immediate action is taken. You hear anybody repeating this kind of garbage, garbage predictions? Maybe somebody with the nickname of AOC, perhaps? I mean, Let me see, i try to get some of these other. Most of the people who are going to die in the greatest cataclysm in the history of man have already been born. Paul Ehrlich, fool that he is, wrote in a 1969 essay. These people are just stupid. It's already too late to avoid mass starvation, declared Dennis Hayes, the chief organizer for Earth Day. I guess, you know, my suggestion that what these people do for Earth Day, find a cave in the earth and don't bother us anymore. Just let us never hear from you again. It's just stupidity. Barry Commoner is another stupid person. Predicted that decaying organic pollutants would use up all the oxygen in America's rivers, causing freshwater fish to suffocate. And on and on and on and on and on and on and on, this ridiculousness goes, repeating over and over the lies. And this is how you engineer people. Just keep lying and keep repeating it. The other thing that happens, and I want to use this book, Language is a Tool of Oppression. This is a book by very good professor, St. Louis University, William Brennan. Came out years ago, Dehumanizing the Vulnerable, When Word Games Take Lives. And what he did was he analyzed what he calls the semantics of oppression. Dehumanizing terminology that is used against groups of people who are then deprived of their rights because people end up believing the terminology. I mean, let's look at a few examples. And he has them into different categories. African-Americans, okay, so the categories, deficient human, quote from the, U.S. Supreme Court in 1857, a subordinate and inferior class of beings. Non-human, that's another category. Um, Quote here from a publisher in 1867, the Negro is not a human being. Another category, animal. Professor Charles Carroll in 1900 wrote, the Negro is one of the lower animals. 
parasite. Dr. E.T. Brady wrote in 1909, they, the Negroes, are parasites. Disease. The, the American Colonization Society, free blacks in our country are a contagion. Another category, inanimate objects. The, the Supreme Court in 1857, the Dred Scott case, a Negro of the African race was regarded as an article of property. Dr. William English in 1903, another category is waste product. The Negro race is a heritage of organic and psychic debris. And finally, the category of non-person. In the eyes of the law, the slave is not a person. Virginia the Supreme Court decision of 1858. Now what Dr. Brennan takes is a chart here showing these semantics as applied to different groups in all the different categories. There's examples of all of them. You take, for example, um, European Jews. And you have a Hitler quote, the Jews are undoubtedly a race but not human. Nazi anatomy professor Hurt, the prisoners here are animals. Nazi propaganda booklet, the Jew is a parasite. Joseph Goebbels, someday Europe will perish of the Jewish disease. Uh, other quotes, uh, garbage, transit material, um, uh, an inferior race, etc. So this verbal engineering what happens is that you get these respectable sources in society, whether they're court decisions, laws, respected academicians, political leaders, and, and uh, by using this language repeatedly, they are preparing the way for actual oppression of people or justifying the oppression that's already been done and getting people to do what? To talk and to think in a certain way. Now, what group of people has this been in particular Applied to, in our day, children in the womb. In all of these categories, listen to what certain segments of society have said about babies like you and I were, once were in the first nine months of our lives when we were still in our mother's wombs. The Roe v. Wade decision now gratefully reversed. The fetus at most represents only the potentiality of human life. A rabbi in 1984, a fetus is not a human being. Dr. Hart Peterson in 1985, like a primitive animal that's poked with a stick. He's talking about when the baby moves, sensitive to touch. He's calling the baby an animal. Professor Pacheski in 1984, the fetus is a parasite. Professor Fletcher in 1979, pregnancy when not wanted is a disease, in fact a venereal disease. That's the only sense, by the way, in which abortion can be considered health care, if you consider pregnancy to be a disease. Otherwise, what disease does abortion cure? What medical condition does it treat? And on and on, garbage, refuse, abortion is calling these babies parasites and so forth. The manipulation of language has led to holocausts, whether it's the holocaust of our Jewish brothers and sisters and others who died with them, or the current holocaust of abortion, which since Roe v. Wade has claimed 65 million lives. Now another key here to what, how the language is manipulated, I want to give you an example of this that the Democrats in Congress have, have done is that while you have the denial 
of the very personhood, equal rights, and sometimes even the existence of a group of people, you have the language manipulation of saying exactly what should be said about those people and saying it in the opposite direction. What do I mean? You had, um, on a number of occasions, Representative uh, DeLauro from uh, Connecticut in the U.S. House, Democrat Rosa DeLauro, whipped together a, a, a group of her fellow Democrats, all pro-abortion, and had them issue statements affirming their Catholic social teaching convictions. So, so let's, and you, and, you, and you know this from what, what Biden himself does. Look at how they deal with the language, and Pelosi too. They take the very words that are at the basis of protecting the unborn and they speak them, trying to get people convinced that they're convinced of them, but they leave out the unborn. And meanwhile, while they're saying this language that should be convicting them to protect the unborn, they're justifying killing them. For example, this letter that came out, uh, this, they've done this a number, of, uh, a number of times, particularly on occasions when uh, the Pope has visited the United States. In one of these letters, these Democrat pro-abortion representatives said the following, We are committed to making real the basic principles that are at the heart of Catholic social teaching, helping the poor and disadvantaged, protecting the most vulnerable among us. This is what's so outrageous about this. They're getting up and saying that they're protecting the most vulnerable among us. But the most vulnerable among us are the very ones that they're killing and paying for the killing of the unborn. They are the most vulnerable. And yet, while supporting the slaughter of these babies, they're saying we stand for the most vulnerable among us. It's like... It's like when the Biden, Brandon Democrats now are saying that the biggest threat to our freedom and our republic and our democracy are the people in the MAGA movement. It's the same dynamic. It's the same misuse of language. Where you're miscategorizing a group of people deliberately by saying exactly the opposite of what the truth is. It's not just a uh, 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 it's not just a little bit of a departure from the truth. It's not just a, you know, being vague or, or, or nuancing the truth. It's, an, it's a complete reversal. Because they, the Democrat tyrants, are the ones who are the threat to our republic and our freedom. The MAGA movement are exactly the people who are defending freedom at its core and bringing more and more freedom to more and more people. Final example, uh, Pelosi, I did an open letter to her back in 2013 when abortionist Kermit Gosnell was convicted and thrown in prison for breaking state law, doing abortions beyond the limit that the state had imposed, and he would kill babies born alive, like at 23 weeks. 
Pelosi, in a press conference, was asked, what is the moral difference between what Dr. Gosnell did to a baby born alive at 23 weeks and aborting her moments before birth? Pelosi refused to answer the question. And instead, she said, as a practicing and respectful Catholic, this is sacred ground to me when we talk about this. I don't think it should have anything to do with politics. Yeah, right. Look how she did manipulates the language. First of all, she does think it should have everything to do with politics because she's pushing for laws allowing more of it. She's pushing for laws allowing more abortion. She's pushing for laws funding abortion. And then she goes and says it shouldn't have anything to do with politics. And then secondly, you're asked a question about this procedure that you're funding. Who asked you to talk about your Catholic faith? And she brings in practicing, respectful, Catholic. These are words that resonate with a lot of Americans. Sacred ground. Look at the use of these words. You know what it's like? It's like the initiatives being made in many states right now to put into their constitution a so-called right they invented out of thin air because it's nowhere in the history of any of these constitutions that there's a right to abortion. But they invent it and they say this right is, is fundamental and therefore nobody should restrict abortion at any time in pregnancy. And then what happens? They use the sacred word. Well, first of all, they use the word right. Anytime you're talking about a right to abortion, this is a manipulation of language. You're presuming ahead of time what you're trying to prove. You're not even trying to prove, you're just assuming it. You're begging the question. A right to abortion? Well, maybe there's another person involved here who has rights, namely the baby in the womb. But no, take the language and just assume at the outset the answer that people are actually debating about because they're trying to balance the rights of, of, of moms and of their children. But no, you just talk about the right to abortion. You've, 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 you've kicked the child out of the way right from square one. That's like you want to see a manipulation of language. I'll get back to Pelosi in a second. Look at Biden's response to the Dobbs decision. He had a press conference and he went on for 15 minutes and said nothing about the second person in the equation, and a lot of Americans, again, they're, they're, they're battling in their minds, you know, how do you, what, what about the rights of the baby and vis-a-vis -vis the rights of the mother and where, where and how do they intersect and where does one end and the other begin? That's the, the, that's the crux of the abortion debate. And, you know, hey, listen, it's simple to resolve that debate just by eliminating one side of the equation altogether right from square one. If all you're talking about is women's rights, well, then it's easy. And that's all that Biden did in his response to the Dobbs decision. In fact, that's all the dissent in the case did, too. You read the dissenting opinion, the minority of the justices, three of them, who did not want to reverse uh, Roe v. Wade. The majority even pointed this out. They said what's most striking about this dissent is that it says absolutely nothing and gives no weight at all to the rights of the unborn baby. Talk about manipulation of language. Going back to Pelosi, she did this again in the G July 2021 press conference where she was asked about votes on a tax, a piece of legislation dealing with taxpayer funding of abortion. She wouldn't even allow a Speaker of the House, she wouldn't allow a vote on a bill that uh, many Americans support, most Americans would support, not having their tax money go pay for somebody else's abortion. 
And instead of address the, addressing the reasoning behind the legislative strategy of the Democrats, she once again started talking about her Catholic faith. Again, using language in the most obvious and insulting misapplication that you can, that you can imagine. Or using litanies of injustices in the world or problems that have to be solved. I heard this, you know, Dr. Alveda King, niece of Martin Luther King Jr., is part of our ministry team at Priest for Life. And so for many years, she and I would be going to the Martin Luther King holiday celebration service at Ebenezer Baptist Church in, in, in Atlanta. The service would go on for hours on end. Really great, inspiring. An inspiring rhetoric about equality and human rights, dignity, justice. Um, inspiring rhetoric about nonviolence. Except that a lot of those people saying those words were pro-abortion Democrats in favor of allowing abortion at any time in pregnancy, which is the dismemberment of babies in the womb. So it's like, wait a minute, you're, you, the words are talking about equality, and the, the action you're endorsing doesn't acknowledge the equality of the baby. You're using the words properly about nonviolence, and you're giving many, many, many examples of people in our society that need to be treated nonviolently, and the manipulation of language comes in the big omission, the blind spot. What about the unborn? You're talking about nonviolence, but then you're allowing violence against these babies. Naomi King, Alveda's mom, sister-in-law of Martin Luther King Jr., received an award from us one year in Washington, D.C., a pro-life award, and she gave a speech in which she said, Nonviolence is not nonviolence if it still includes some violence. Equality is not equality if you still tolerate some inequality, namely abortion. She came against the manipulation of language, but the pro-abortion Democrats, they're doing this all the time. All the time. Let's be concerned about the poor and the homeless and the victims of war and crime and gun violence and stabbings. Well, if what you're saying is inspired by a concern for vulnerable human lives, if what you're saying is concerned by, inspired by a concern for children, if you're screaming about children at the border and being kept in cages, what about the children being dismembered in the abortion facilities? They don't mention the unborn. And that is a key example of language control aimed at thought control aimed at continuing to oppress the unborn. Brothers and sisters, uh, that's all the time we have for tonight, but check out these books. Obviously, The Democrat Party Hates America. Get Mark Levin's book if you haven't gotten it yet. And Dehumanizing the Vulnerable When Word Games Take Lives, Professor William Brennan. Let's turn back to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for these reflections. And as your word says, we want to love you with all our mind. Lord, we pray for America that America would love you with all her mind. We are a, a nation built on truth. We are a nation built on self-evident truth that our founders acknowledge, starting with the right to life. Let us not allow ourselves and our fellow citizens, our families, our children, our grandchildren, let us not allow them to be deceived by the thought and language control that is alive and well in our midst. 
Christ. Rather, Lord, may we embrace you who are the truth, who came into the world to bear witness to the truth. And may we proclaim that truth that it may set us free. The truth will set you free. Lord, we receive those words again today and we apply them to America because we are the land of the free. Therefore, let us always remain the land of truth. We pray as Jesus taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining me. These are important lessons to pass along. Let's continue discussing them. Thanks for your involvement in the effort to save America, and let's move forward to victory. Join me again here on Praying for America tomorrow. Hello, this is Father David Begany, one of the many members of Priests for Life. This organization is one of the largest and most visible pro-life ministries in the world. Priest, the Priest for Life team relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priest for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give us as generous a gift as you can. Thank you for your kindness and be assured of our prayers for you every day. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.